Welcome to episode 10 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. Stephen, we got to episode 10. I know, I can't believe it. That's awesome. You know, we've proven all the doubters wrong. They never thought we would make it this far. So many doubters out there. <laughs> all those studios we visited, pitching them the Amen Corner, and they said it'll never happen. And we've been doing it on a shoestring, and look at it. We are the conscience of America. We have rapidly become the conscience of America. It's, it's true. It's absolutely I'm not even sure that I'm the conscience of my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why, we have, that's why we have the podcast, because we that's know true. we're not the conscience of our own homes, but that's we can true. be the conscience of America. That's true. America has no conscience. It's okay. <laughs> we seriously have no conscience, but I'm excited that uh, the latest appointee is none other than Rock, Rocky Balboa, John Rambo, Sylvester Stallone is going to Sylvester Stallone is going to head the National Endowment for the Arts. How does that make you feel? I was wondering if you wouldn't mind marrying me. Look, I, know, look, I have to say, I think this is among the better appointments, to be completely honest with you. I mean, think about it. We talked about some of these guys last week, last episode. And then, actually, Stallone isn't the most recent. Um, just as we were going on, word came that President-elect Donald Trump has uh, tapped a congressman from South Carolina... Uh, who came in on the 2010 wave of Tea Party activists to a guy named Mick Mulvaney, who is a budget hawk of budget hawks, is going to be the director of the Office of Management and Budget, which is extraordinarily important for our listeners outside the Washington, D.C. area. And he is vowing to cut the government budget to the bone, which I can imagine we're still going to be lavishing lots of stuff on the Pentagon, but... Um, well, all they those need it. People who unfortunately are in need of food stamps are going to be shit out of luck. I bet. So, when That's you so say good. when you say that he was tapped, do you mean like I tapped that <laughs> he was tapped? Well, you, you think, know, you, you know think the president like tapped that? If it's a sex scandal, when it comes to Democrats, it always has something to do with women. Right. When it's Republicans, it always has something to do with boys. With so, little boys, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know when they say that. Anyway, we got to go back know. to Stallone for a second here. Yeah, because I guess Chachi was too busy to take this <laughs> job. I, t- I think I actually think it's a good appointment. I think I can yeah. see Sly Stallone, who who you know Creed was excellent actually, and, and overlooked. Yeah, by but that's the because he didn't. That's because he didn't direct, he didn't direct it, it or exactly. or write it. Exactly. I think he can. He's got. He has no movie career left, so he might as well throw himself into something like this. Yo, Adrian, should we fund this arts program? I'm telling you, I think it's a good appointment. Look, the guy's made a bevy of horrendous movies. That's true. Other than the Rocky movies and... Well, um, Rocky's one and two, I should say. Rocky, hey, what? hold on. Hold on a second. Rocky three, great movie. Rising up, back on my feet. And, if I may add, yeah. Rocky ended the Cold War in Rocky Four. Oh, uh, yeah. I must break you go for it. I mean, I know yeah. every line from those movies, but I think one and two were, were, were good. But and one, it's the only, I think it's really the only role he can play well. 
Because he's playing himself. That's all. He's, there's no range there. Do you remember um, in the mid, in the early 70s, he was in a movie called The Lords of Flatbush? Oh, yeah. With Henry Winkler? Right. That's right. I mean, I don't yeah. remember it. I remember seeing right. it subsequently to Henry Winkler becoming hugely famous as the Fonz. And, yeah. And, and Sylvester Stallone becoming hugely famous as... In, as Rocky. As Rocky. <laughs> but... I guess, did he play, like, essentially Rocky in, in The Lords of Flatbush? He played, like, a poor man's Marlon Brando in The Lords of Flatbush. Like, he was himself. He's Rocky. Like, his his range is limited. Think, Let's be clear. I think when he gets this position, we're going to have to do, uh, we're going to have to watch every movie he's ever been in, including Judge no, no, Dredd. No. Judge Dredd, baby. What about Stop or My Mom Will Shoot You? <laughs> You remember that piece of crap with Estelle Getty? Come on, oh come on. Yes, I do remember that. That was like that period. He was like he was he was gonna be a comedic actor, and he was wearing those funky like glasses and stuff and whatever. Come on, you think it was he was gonna be a comedic actor, or he was taking any part that had a paycheck attached to it? <laughs> Yo, Adrian. No, I just I'm. I'm absolutely psyched about this slice. I'm not psyched about it. National Endowment of, of, of Arts. I'm more psyched about think that. About, think about all the shitty movies the National Endowment of Arts is going to now fund. It'll be like it'll be like a warping us back to the mid-'80s when he was making all this crap. Wait activities. a second, though. But the, the movies of the mid-'80s are, what, are our bread and butter. Well, they are. I mean, I saw every single exactly. one of them. I mean, who else can who else can reference Judge Dredd? I mean, I probably waited online to see it. I was like, oh, the new Salon movie. You gotta go see it. You waited online with like one oh, no other doubt. person to see Judge Dredd. It was the shortest no, no, line no, like, in the history of lines. And I think Rocky Three was not as good as you want it, but it, it totally inspired me. I went. I know who I went with. I know what I was wearing. I went with my friend Glenn Levine. I wanted to run home from the theater. We went to see it yeah. at the Asset Movie Theater. I wanted to run home. Oh, and that summer at camp, how often did we listen to that stupid song? Um, it, was, it was on constant. I still listen to that <laughs> stupid song. <laughs> in fact, when I was rehabbing my arm, I remember, remember in 2012 when I had shattered my arm and, and it was, you know, six weeks before I could do physical therapy. I remember sitting in the car before my first physical therapy appointment. I, I knew I couldn't move my arm at all. And we fired up Eye of the Tiger to get me psyched up to do this this thing that was very I, So I have to tell you that in my uh, on my iPhone on my playlist, I my one of my workout um, you know sets is is not that, but it is actually Rocky Four, the soundtrack from Rocky Four. Oh really? 4, yes. Wow. I sh- I I've shit the, you know. I've got the Rocky anthem on my on my workout yeah. playlist actually. Yeah. No, I mean the, in addition to that, the music I, is good. I, the acting not so good. Not so good. I will say that the one fringe benefit of Sly Stallone being at the National Endowment for for the Arts is. In addition to that, he may single-handedly rescue American POWs still in Vietnam. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you get two for one with Sly at the NEA, right? You, I mean... They drew first blood. Don't you think they he should be in charge blood. of the uh, of the VA? <laughs> no, isn't that going to Sarah Palin? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, the yeah. mama bear who supports our troops. <laughs> oh, God. We're so fucked. <laughs> It's so soul. We're so fucked. But I'm telling you, it's Sly Stallone has given me a little bit of hope, man. No. 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 
Yeah, the 1980s. It's back. Well, some of it's back. When's when's is, Max Headroom coming back? You know, I didn't really. Oh, like it. it was fucking horrible. That's why you didn't like it. it. There was nothing to like about there it. There was some shit in oh. the 80s, but not Judge Dredd, baby. Oh, I love that. Movie. You know what? I'm gonna have to grow out my mullet now. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna post on. I'm gonna post on the on the I'm in corner Facebook page. Is my prom? Oh, favorite. really? Because I wouldn't call it a mullet. I would call it like. Long Island soccer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, had, you know what I'm talking about? I had about? a New Jersey mullet, though. Full-on red bow tie, too. Oh, nice. I was just yeah, I think everybody wore a red bow tie. Did you wear the red bow tie? Yeah, not to my prom, but I think to my freshman in college, like, fraternity formal, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a red tie on. Yeah. The, the mullet was gone by then, though. The mullet. Well, you know, I like the uh, the outfits of you and Ron, your brother, in that in that photo on your Facebook yeah. page of the, the cupcake. Yeah, you want to you want to tell us some you know, about my, this about this. My photo? brother posted a picture of the two of us. He's a year older than I am. Uh, I think I was probably three, and he was four, and we were um, we were sitting in the Hebrew home for the aged in Riverdale. Oh, and you can tell it from the oh, photo. Yeah. The oh, yeah. <laughs> and we were with my father's parents, uh, my father, and my father's aunt. Um, Those were your father. So who was in the who was in the wheelchair? Was that, that your dad's That was mom? my father's aunt, uh, Amalia. So you still say it. You say I aunt. do say aunt. My kids say aunt. I used to say aunt, and then I married Lauren, and she says aunt. My kids say aunt. So I had to say aunt. My kids say aunt. I say aunt. But it was my, my, so it was my great aunt. My and my <laughs> grandparents, who were all immigrants from Germany, and the picture is there. You know, I'll post this on the on the Amen Corner uh, Facebook page later. But the pic, they're looking at us, you know, incredulously as the two of us are just, you know, having at it with a, with some cupcakes. And I think you you posted something like, "What is this cupcake?" That that's, <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. It was these three um, old people who came to the United States when they were, you know, adults, and they lived here, and they made this place their home, but they never really were American. Like, they just weren't Americans. They were these, they were it, German. I have to say, it is an absolutely outstanding photo. I mean, it, it kind of captures that that immigrant experience. Like, here are the two grandchildren, or great, and, and, and the great nephew. Yeah. Who are like thoroughly oh, Americanized? Yeah. Your dad is standing in the background. What color he's wearing? That, that must have been the early seventies. I don't know what color that, that was, but my dad had the same yeah. shirt and tie combination. So they must have been handing it out to like Jewish guys at that time. You know what? He that shirt was like some kind of orange. It, it was like an orangey brownie <laughs> yellow. It was like thing. a vomit orange. <laughs> it was so nasty, but whatever. I totally. I saw it. I was like, "Oh, Brad Scott." I was like, "Oh, yeah." Michael Cook had the same exact. We're just shirt lucky he didn't have his pipe in that picture. <laughs> My dad would have a cigarette or, hanging out of his or, or his ascot. Go on. <laughs> but it just captured that that immigrant experience of these two thoroughly Americanized little boys yeah. in your like seventies striped oh, yeah. pants and whatever, mowing down on cupcakes and being like, "No, no, cupcake. Yeah. You know, you know what this is." And the the assimil- and they kind of had these looks of horror and interest in, yeah. in in looking down on you two guys. And it's that assimilation thing that, you know, the generations who embrace 
America and 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 its ideals and stuff. It, it, I think it's kind of it, it really captures a moment and a spirit of the United States and and maybe God, especially at this moment uh, in our in our history. I actually am finding a tremendous amount of comfort by talking to immigrants. Huh. Um, really? I think I told you. Do you, do you yeah. think that they feel comfortable right now, though? Well, I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I, the the first, I, I think I told you this a few weeks ago in having this conversation with my with my Arabic teacher who is from Aleppo, um, and uh, it's amazing to me that she can carry on in the kind of cheerful way that she does, right. given what's happened in Aleppo. But I was. This was not long after the election, and we were. You know, the lesson was, and I had these one-on-one lessons with her, and the lesson was that I had to talk to her. We had to have a conversation about the American election. In Arabic. In, in Arabic. And so I started, you know, my basically my clothing rending and, and you know, my concern about creeping authoritarianism and, and the changes to the American political system and, and democracy and, and liberal ideals and so on and so forth. And is that, is she that kind of <laughs> Wait what? Well, she got kind of she got kind of angry at me, um, and she said, "Hey, listen, uh, this is still whatever challenges you perceive. This is still the greatest country in the world." And she said, "Look at where I come from. You don't have the mass slaughter of people. You don't have you don't have dictatorship like like we have in the in the Middle East. You don't have this kind of horrific horrific situation even before." Syria right. fell into, you know, this conflict, and she said, "I'm I'm so upset that Americans don't look at the great country that it is and are so unhappy and 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 there's a general malaise about about American politics and, and American society." Right. And so that was it was it was heartwarming and, and and it was warm to hear it. I think I probably called you not long after I had that conversation with her. But at the same time, you know, she's coming from Aleppo right. where the news every her day bar, is her bar is set pretty low. her bar is set pretty low. Plus exactly she's now. right of course, but what scares the shit out of me and you and many many other people is that we're afraid that we're on a slippery slope, maybe not towards you know mass genocide in this country, but certainly right. away from the ideals that she believes in and that we believe in and that she came to America for. But if we don't and, have course, if we don't have that, then right. what are we? No, I think I think you're right. And of course the the there was all this opposition to someone like her and her family actually being right. There. Of course, I mean these are. You know, in in my younger days, I spent a lot of time in Damascus, and I would come back, and people would say to me, you know, I remember after that summer that I was that I was there, people would say, "Oh my God, you were in Syria? What kind of terrible place?" I said, "Look, it, it has a terrible government, a terrible repressive regime that's done horrible things, but the people are are, are wonderful people, the most the warmest and most welcoming people in the Middle East, and the idea that in this country, because they're from a place that's ravaged with war and extreme that they would be subject to extreme vetting basically right. meaning we want to keep out Muslims from this country is is a betrayal of, of, of our ideals but again like I said it's really it's it, it does make me feel better to speak to immigrants in this country and their firm belief in the 
in the institutions. Uh, of That's right. Some of them are starting to question that those, those institutions, but in many ways, uh, it it does give me some comfort to talk to them. And I, I, every Thanksgiving, I pull out something that. Uh, an Egyptian immigrant to the United States who's now an American citizen, a guy named Magadatia, who's been a influential in, in my thinking about about Egypt. Um, I pull out what he wrote about his first Thanksgiving in the United States, it's called Thanksgiving 1969, and it's just a great uh, it's a great immigrant story, and it reminds you of, uh, of of how wonderful this country really is at its core and. What worries us is that core is being chipped away. You should you should um, post that on the Facebook page. You know I'm going to, and I'm going to direct people to his to his website. Yeah. It's called Salama Musa, which is not his name. It's the name of a, a famous Egyptian uh, columnist. Um, his name is Magadetia, and uh, the the blog post is called Thanksgiving 1969. He posted it. He posted it uh, on Thanksgiving 2013. It's just a wonderful read. I will post it on the. Yeah. On, on our Facebook page, but again, it's the question is these things that the, the the things that immigrants to the United States celebrate about the United States is it being chipped away? It's totally and, being chipped away. And listen, you know the yeah. picture that you saw, there were three people in that picture who were refugees, right? right. Who were welcomed into this country and who were uh, given shelter and given home, and um, you know they also, my dad also believed in those same things that your Arabic teacher talked to you about and, you know, raised me every day saying this is the greatest country in the history of the world. Right. Uh, and for him it was. But we can't forget that it's not the same experience for everybody who lives in this country. Well, and and, that's and why, never has you know, been. And that's why, we, you know, the, the fuck you organize thing still yeah. is important even as, even as the Trump administration... Is becoming normalized by the by the media and the Washington establishment. Can we call it? Can we call it the Stallone administration, please? St- I know. I think it would be almost better. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm through the Stallone administration. Yeah, I mean, Damn. it's more palatable. The Rocky administration. <laughs> the Rocky. Uh, but it's not. Uh, Apollo so Creed. We have to. We have to face up to what it is, and we have to then. That's right. And understand what it's all about, and it's, it is about. Uh, a different, uh, darker America. Do you think and that's you're, you're right? Do you think that if uh, Sylvester Stallone was president, that he would nominate Carl Weathers to head up HUD? <laughs> definitely, because he's the exactly. Brother. Or or, or Clever Lang. Definitely, in a Stallone yeah. administration, he's definitely gonna be the HUD. Yeah. Secretary. Or Clever Lang. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm Peter the Fool. He'd be the he'd head up the DOD, the Department of Defense. No, 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 Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, I, I pity the fool who, with a Swiss yeah. Army knife on the plane. I pity the fool who come into the United States trying to blow shit up. I pity him. <laughs> you see that? I at least could you know? It'd be entertaining. Yeah, this is. There's nothing entertaining about Donald Trump. This is not entertaining. This is fucking horrific. Right. It's horrific. I mean, totally I don't even want to. I don't want to get too deep into this, but like the appointment. Well, you know why. You know why you think it's horrific because you live in a. Bubble. That's right. Yeah, and that's another thing that fucking pisses me off. Don't <laughs> tell don't me. don't tell, tell me. me that I live in a bubble. You live in a don't, bubble. You live in the Northeast corner. Yeah. You elitist. Exactly. You know what? Walk outside my apartment. 
walk inside, you know, walk around in my neighborhood and you talk to me about the bubble, right? Because my neighborhood is not made up only of, you know, upper middle class college and beyond educated white Jewish people. You walk outside. Although there's lots. There of certainly are, but there are also <laughs> lots of Hispanics. There yes. are lots of African Americans. There are yes. lots of many, many different kinds of people. And well, New York is a, is a reflection of the world. Almost. It's not a reflection so, of the country. You're right. It's a reflection of the world. But but it's not. It's it's not somehow inauthentic. No, exactly. What we've is been told over and over and over and over again. I'm sick of this bullshit. Why too. is only like white middle America considered authentic? Why from like fucking Iowa? Well, seriously, even if my neighborhood was made up entirely of people just like me. Why is that any less authentic than anywhere else in the country? Why is my experience less valid? Why is my, is my voice less authentic because I didn't serve in the military? The last I time I checked, we have an all-volunteer army. Right. There's no draft. Right. Or as they said in Stripes, there ain't no draft no more, son. <laughs> there, was, there was one? We're not, but we're willing to learn. <laughs> exactly. But... I cannot be disqualified because I didn't serve in the army. My voice is just as valid as anybody else's. Oh, yeah, America, if you care about it so much, why don't you serve your country? If they called me and asked me to when I was 18 years old, then we'd have a different conversation. And if I made a decision not to do it. But as far as I remember, you know, I did register for selective service when I turned 18. I'm sure I'm sure you did, too. And you know what the craziest story was? I went to register. It was a few weeks before college started, and I said to the guy where I registered, I said, I, I don't exactly know what my address will be in college. He goes, don't worry, they'll find you. Yeah, uh-huh. And <laughs> like a month and a half later, it showed up in my mailbox. And, and that was before the was That was before the internet. Right. <laughs> that was before <laughs> Facebook. That was before Twitter. They still found you, and they'll always find you. Can we you. talk about stripes for one second? Of course. I would love a suburban assault vehicle. Oh, yeah. Just, just driving around in Montgomery County in Washington. Yeah, un- unfortunately, with some of the stories you've told me, I'm afraid that you would use some of the weaponry. <laughs> and then go have a whole Exa- Yeah. Well, this is exactly why people like you shouldn't own firearms. <laughs> because... I'm getting close. Yeah. As you said, Angela Merkel goes down, I'm arming up. Yeah, me. but still, like, the, you know, your, your uh, altercations on the sidewalk can turn into something tragic. Uh, and we're joking about it, but that's what fucking happens with the assholes in this country. It's like, no, 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 no you shouldn't have a fucking gun in every interaction you have with human beings. Well, and, and that's the thing. is that somehow authenticity is related to the fact that I don't go shoot boar and, and, and buy ammo on the weekends. Where, like, why, why is that more authentically American than... Someone like me. I'm where does one even... I constantly... Where, I have to apologize for going to, to Vassar, no. Sice, and Penn and working in the Washington, D.C. area. What the fuck is that? Where does one... F- I'm sorry. I don't I don't actually have disdain for people who live in the exactly. middle of the That's country. the other thing. I feel like they have disdain That's for the me. other thing. There's always like the straw man argument. Like, oh, you guys look down on... I don't fucking look down on anybody. 
if I had business in Indianapolis, I would fly there. I don't, so I fly over it to the places that I do have. But business. it's not like I, I don't consider that like oh, that's flyover country. No, exactly like you said. If there was a reason for you to go there, you would go there, and you have nothing against the people who live there. You have no animosity towards them. I had a blast in Little Rock. You know what? When they tried to sell me what was they called a Bialy. <laughs> Exactly. But even all of that being said, you're not telling me that the people in Little Rock don't live in a fucking bubble of their own? Exactly. Everybody lives in their own fucking bubble. It's the world that you create for yourself. Not everybody... In your in your 10 square blocks on the Upper East Side, in my... Upper West Side. Like, you know, two, two, two square miles in, in, in Maryland, whatever. This is exactly. the world Exactly. So you create, you create your own... Uh, Environment, you create your own reality, you create your own world. I don't know if it's but that doesn't mean. I don't know if it's a good. But it is what it is. Like you read what you read, right. and you know you watch what you watch, and you hang out with who you who you hang out with. But that's everybody in the world does that. People talk about the great sort that people are just living with people who are like minded. I don't know. This was the nicest house we found in the Washington D.C. area. I didn't. I didn't knock on the door and say. Uh, excuse me, Allison Ed. Yeah. How do you vote? Exactly. Uh, can you tell me about um, your views on the Middle East? I mean, it just didn't. It didn't happen. And what you're going to tell me that you agree with your all of your neighbors, and all of your neighbors voted the same way you did? I yeah, exactly. You. I do. Exactly. So come on. So. It's just not right. To say like, oh, well, you don't understand what's really going on in America. Yes, I do. I understand what's going on in my little corner of America. And I understand. And I do you understand what's going on in my corner (laughs) of America? Exactly. And is it any like you said, because, you know, we have a certain education level or a certain income level or whatever metric you want to judge on. Does that mean that because your friends are like-minded or in the same, you know, come from the same circumstances or live in the same circumstances, does that mean you don't understand what other people go through? Does that mean you don't encounter other people and have conversations with them? And right, that somehow if you live in the East Coast bubble, that you only think a certain way and interact with certain people is crazy. Like again, I don't have to apologize for going to college actually college really expanded my mind and which is what it's supposed to do but not just in terms of books but the people that I that I interacted with who who my friends were who what I became interested in people yeah why that we should apologize for that in this country in 2016 is a mystery to me and it suggests something very sick and wrong with our society and the way in which we've been using words about Who's authentically right. American, and through this kind of constant electoral cycle, and it's done a lot. Of, I think it's done a tremendous uh, amount of damage. Although I will have to say, as you know, I was in New York City last weekend. I do know that. And there is something about tourists from that part of the country where I don't have business. Yeah. And I was wandering up Sixth uh, Avenue with uh, with my family in Midtown. And. In, in Midtown, and this is obviously holiday time, so it's peak tourism period. Uh, tons of people from all over the world, but definitely people from other parts of the country. And there was, you know, as you see these ubiquitous, these ubiquitous guys with the signs directing people to like yeah, restaurants. Yeah, horrible. So, so it was a big sign for a Dunkin' Donuts. And behind me, I hear this woman say, in in in, a, in a, an accent noticeably not native to the New York metropolitan right. or Northeast corridor, say, "Earl, look." 
the guy's holding a sign with an arrow towards the Dunkin' Donuts. Like, this was the source of great fascination. Interesting. I guess she's not used to, like, not seeing it from, like, the big interstate. But this was like, wow, holy let shit, me, this guy's carrying the Donuts sign with an arrow. I didn't understand. Let me just say something. I f- <laughs> it was bizarre. Let, let, me just, let me just say, I fucking hate tourists. <laughs> And it, well, that was my and it point. has nothing as to much do. As we say, it has nothing. We're open-minded and so on and so forth. I was like, "What an utter well, fool!" I'll tell you, it has nothing to do with where they come from. Nothing, and it has everything to do with how fucking slow they walk on the sidewalk. <laughs> and I don't care if they're tourists from China, Saudi Arabia, Kansas, you know, Hawaii. And, I don't uh, care that where slow they're from. Walking down the avenue. When you're I mean, walking, when you're walking it. like three people abreast on the sidewalk uh, at a pace that you know you can lap in a wheelchair. No, we it's were, not, we were it's asking not, for it's not it by happening. being in Midtown during Christmas yeah. time. I, I hate Absolutely going to Midtown. Um, I hate going to Times Square anytime, but certainly this time of year, it's the it's horrible. Um, I it's I don't want to sound like a Grinch, but. Um, you know, if you're a tourist and you're thinking about coming to New York City, welcome, but know the rules of the road. You know? I remember I remember when we were still living in the city and Lauren's sister and her husband came to visit and it was this time of year and I don't think they had spent a lot of time in the city. You know, from Boston, they lived in San Diego. You know, I, I guess weekend visits with my in-laws. And San and Diego. But, but uh, the... Uh, so we said, hey, we said, like, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, we want to go see the tree. And I was like, yeah. no, no, please, no. And we had to, like, dive into those hordes of people from not it, New York City who walk slowly uh, and look up at Dunkin' Donuts signs with arrows pointing to them as a source of fascination. At least they didn't say, let's go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> I think we should just go to the Olive Garden next time I'm in the city uh, just to be ironic. Just to be ironic. Just because I like to vomit after I eat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've never been in an Olive Garden. The next time I you come to the, the city, we're going to Popeye's, not the Olive no, we Garden. We are definitely going to Popeye's. Not the Olive Garden. Time. We'll do a show from Popeye's. We will. And it's, and it's not the Olive Garden. It's the OG. <laughs> As my college friends used to call it. Oh, my God. Let's go to the OG. So, uh, well, I think that's it from the bubble is that, today. I, I, you know, my bubble is uh, hard to penetrate, so I'm not sure. But I think you might be right. Um, Yo, Adrian! You know, if I can change and you can change, then everyone can change. <laughs> we're going to see Rocky, we're gonna see Rocky Go four in a continuous loop for the next four <sighs> years. No, I'm, I'm serious. I think we should. I think we should sit down and watch every movie that guy's made, just to understand what kind of arts programs are going to be. I don't think we need. I don't think we need to watch every one to understand what kind of arts programs are going to be. No, 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 no. We have to watch every single one. Um, we have to watch every. We one. might end up um, much stupider did, after this. Did he, did he? Did he actually speak in Rambo: First Blood Part Two? I don't remember. Oh, we have a visitor. We have a visitor here. Are you done? Uh, no. We're still having uh, episode 10. Clear. You cleared my car? Oh, my God. And the driveway's melting because I, I melted the whole Oh, thing. my God. What am I going to do now? I'm going to have to make this up to the lovely Lauren, who's made a guest appearance unexpectedly. 
I think this is uh, I think this is um, a signal. Then your car is driveway your, is clear, and then my car is clear. So it's time to I go. I gotta go do something. All right, all right, all right. Signing off, folks. Peace from the bubble. Have a good one.